Welcome, one and all, to the Games and That Podcast, the show where we share our opinions on all things gaming related with you, our wonderful audience, in hopes to create a positive community where gamers, both casual and hardcore alike, can share their own thoughts, opinions, and experiences. I'm Andrew Fiak. And I'm Brandon Carnahan. Welcome! And guess what? The first stream got shut down because of royalty-free music we had streaming, but we persist and here we are here we <laughs> are we back somehow you can copyright claim royalty free music uh well, that's the, why you'll never catch it on here's youtube the funny thing about it so anytime <laughs> that it's ever come up and this usually comes up like probably about i don't know i would say like 10 to 15 minutes after the stream ends um i've always wondered if it is the actual theme song itself which we like well, we and by we I mean you know the actual person who specifically said hey here use this for your podcast so it's not that so I figured well it has to be the elevator music at the beginning but it always comes up as some like very uh, I don't know like alt rock metal almost sounding band name that has like one EP with like maybe six songs on it Cause I was like, oh, I wonder how similar it actually sounds. So I, I Googled it and I like found like their MySpace or their what, like real volume or some kind of page like that. Something super old. <laughs> and it was like my last, volume. Yeah. Pure volume. Pure volume. Oh, last okay. updated sure. like uh, 2006 maybe. So Facebook, your copyright algorithm is approaching YouTube levels of BS. Oh, hot take Fight from me. the games in that podcast. Fight me, Zuckerberg. Fight me. <laughs> uh, no, he's too busy smoking meats in his backyard. <laughs> Brisket and ribs. <laughs> uh, we, we got the green acorn. I love the green acorn. Uh, so we're smoking meat? Uh, still, smoking meat. Still smoking. Smoking Whoa. meat. That super cut makes my day. <laughs> Every time. Uh, Brandon. Andrew. How's it feel to have the internet back after a full day of... April Fools. Feels good. Feels good. Uh, you know, it's nice to let the trust back in my life after having to forcibly push it away for a full 24 hours. Can it's you nice. be honest with us and the wonderful audience and tell us, did anything get you? Did um, anything sneak up on you? No, I mean, everything that I saw that I, like that I really like paid attention to was all stuff that was, you know, crazy enough that uh it it seemed obviously fake or uh didn't it didn't give me anything to any any reason not to believe that it was fake i think well what maybe one thing kind of caught me off guard enough that i was like oh sweet and then i realized oh no it's april fools Mm -hmm. was um i think it was on reddit probably the the witcher subreddit and they had said that uh mark addy the guy that played robert baratheon in game of thrones was cast Mm -hmm. to play the bloody baron and I was like, oh, that's so cool. And I was about to show Hannah. And I was like, ah, nope. April Fool's yeah, got me. Yeah. Got uh, me. I think one of the ones that almost got me was one of the original developers of the Twisted Metal series, 
um, send out a picture of Sweet Tooth, um, and which is like, hey, really excited to talk about what's coming in the next few days. Like, get your flaming ice cream or whatever ready or whatever <laughs> Sweet Tooth gives people. I don't know. Um, and I was like, ah, womp womp. Yeah, and it sucks because Pax East is happening or just happened and wrapped up right now in Boston. Yeah, and there's bound to be a ton of stuff coming out of that conference. So it sucks that Monday was April fool's day, like the very last day of coming out of April fool's. So yeah. or of, out of a uh, PAX East, excuse me. So that was eh, frustrating, it's frustrating, but we did want to do just a quick roundup because there were some tastefully well done April fool's jokes that were out there. Yeah. And when I say April fool's jokes, miss. I don't mean the, announcements of like half-life three is coming herpeter dirt 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 i mean actual well thought out that's clever that's funny that's a one-time experience for me i will enjoy this and yet i don't feel foolish for reading into it right stuff that was either believable or quite humorous is how i kind of categorize these so why don't we go uh just back and forth i know that i have about uh, there's three specifically that i really like Mm -hmm. um but why don't you kick us off here and tell me uh, what was one that kind of caught your attention well the first one I want to go through that caught my attention was one that cut me deep because it's one that I really wish would happen uh, and that this was posted by ghostbustersnews.com mm-hmm. and the uh, their, their story that they ran was that Ghostbusters the video game from 2009 was getting a Playstation 4 remaster so I saw it and there was like a split second where I was like ah and then remembered it's april fools and i didn't think much more about it aside from the fact that i was like man i missed that multiplayer it was really fun those were good times yeah that game was severely underrated and granted you could have thrown ghostbusters on anything i mean granted they threw it in a mobile game that's not bad and we were kind of all over it there for a little bit but yeah um it's just one of those things that tugs at your heartstrings for sure because you know you're not going to get a ghostbusters property for who even knows how long yeah, now? Probably not anything good for a while. Definitely not yeah. anything with the original cast, obviously, since not all of the original cast is alive anymore. But, you know, is what it is. There's that, there's that Bill Murray, Adam Driver zombie movie coming out, though. I did uh, see that. That looks pretty interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like dry humor mm-hmm. zombie apocalypse movie. And I, I appreciate that. Like, um, But I know Zombieland 2 is coming out, too. So mm-hmm. probably going to be some Bill Murray in there as well. You have to after that yeah. original cameo for sure. Does that relate to Ghostbusters at all? No, but you said Bill Murray, and that's exactly what uh, I wanted to talk about. Tangentially so. related. <laughs> sure. It's it's, it's um, related. Yeah. Uh, one that I want to mention specifically, uh, one of my favorite YouTube content creators um, who was an original Newgrounds guy, mm-hmm. uh, Video Game Donkey. Uh, I think everything he puts out is hysterical. Um, I know that he started doing a podcast recently called the dunk tank. Uh, that's <laughs> very random, Love it. but, uh, he put together specifically an Xbox live direct, uh, akin to the Nintendo directs that have been coming out and was announcing games like, um, uh, like Banjo Kazooie nuts and bolts HD and <laughs> a port of conquer from the game boy color. Um, to the, to 
Xbox consoles, but then kept referencing things that were coming out on PlayStation and during the <laughs> Xbox Live Direct. It's very well done. It's it's stupid. It's stupid humor, but I crack up at everything he does. So if you haven't seen that one yet, definitely seek it out and check it out. And that's again, that's video game donkey, donkey the dunk tank. Yeah, the dunk tank. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Corsair, they tweeted out a, uh, a fake trailer for their new game launcher launcher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty yeah. funny. Just the current state of game launchers on PC. You have, you know, one for every publisher and their mother. And uh, yeah. they kind of really blew that spot up. And I thought that was good humor there for that one. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, akin to that too, the uh, the PC Games Wiki changing their name to the Epic Games Wiki, yes, and definitely probably startling some people right off the bat from just uh, reading that. The, the blurb like that went yeah. on on that main page was hysterical, and like whenever you would go through like your options for like what games you could select, it was only things that were on the Epic Launcher and. <laughs> Uh, it was like find find workarounds and hacks for your favorite games like Fortnite and Fortnite <laughs> <laughs> and whatever else they have on there Metro whatever I mean that's the that's, only two that I've, I pay any attention to it's much more of a nightmare to me than a joke <laughs> yeah that's that's like the, um, the the worst timeline personally I think the company that overwhelmingly one April Fool's Day is Ubisoft. Ubisoft had, they had a two specific ones. they had two specific ones that stick out to me and I figure I might as well just talk about both of them because these are the kind of April Fool's not really gags but what do you, I don't know how what do you want to say more like special holiday events special events yeah once in so in for honor uh, I don't know if those of you who haven't played For Honor, but For Honor is like a 4v4 kind of like a chess game style real time fighting game where it's a lot about reading your opponents, blocking and attacking. And then you play on these small maps where you're like capturing points or just, you know, team deathmatch. But there's other uh, AI and NPCs that are on the other team to make it feel like a big battle bigger than it actually is. Um, and they replaced all of those AI and NPCs with the Ubisoft mascot, uh, the Rabbids. Rabbids. And For Honor is a game that like mixes a bunch of different cultural periods, like, like Vikings and yeah, it's got samurai, Vikings and samurais and pirates yeah. and the Assassin's Creed stuff is in there and like Greek and all that jazz. But they just throwing Rapids in there, I thought was hilarious. They actually look really well done. They look like they belong there. Um, and if you would have told me five, ten years ago that I would have cared at all about the Rabbids these days, um, I'm coming around to the Rabbids. Yeah, I don't same. think they're that annoying. Um, and a lot of it had to do with Mario Rabbids yep. Kingdom. Yeah, you know? I like the, the tweet that went out for the uh, Rabbids and For Honor. It was like, "You think this is a joke? Load up the game." <laughs> <laughs> and there they were. Well. I don't mean to steal more thunder, but same thing that Ubisoft did in uh, Rainbow Six mm -hmm. Siege. They had a whole level that it, I think it's one of the classic levels. It was like a plane level, but they yeah. let's say actually <laughs> rainbowed the whole thing out. Just yeah. pink, bright, neon colors. Pastels, yeah. Pastels all over the place. Special like skins for all the operators. Skins. 
yeah, just like weird shooting noises. And then mm. I think the whole point of it was like a hostage rescue of like a teddy bear yep. or some type of fluffy stuffed animal. Yep. I think it's actually that still going on. Cool. I think it's a couple of day event for that. Yeah. So people have time to get the unlocks and stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah. That stuff. I love that stuff. Yeah. Limited time events like that are, are super fun. Um, yeah. Kind of like when in destiny, whenever they do like, um, what's, what's mayhem. Uh, what's, what's their like, uh, the festival of the lost. Oh, where you're like wearing masks and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like and, all that kind of stuff yeah. where there's it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah, extra yeah. stuff. It's it's not, you know, super, super in depth, but it's, you know, limited time, just kinda like, you know, for for poops and laughs. Poops and laughs. <laughs> Come to the games of that podcast, give y'all the poops and poops laughs. laughs. Keeping it family friendly. Freaking related to poops and laughs. laughs. <laughs> oh man. Uh, anything else uh, from April uh, Fool's Day that you thought was worth mentioning? Mainly as a, a segue. <laughs> this one's worth mentioning. Okay. Uh, the Anthem subreddit. Uh, they replaced their banner and most of their, you know, information for the subreddit to look like it was the Division 2 subreddit. Um, I bet they had the most traffic in one day. The top post for April 1st was phenomenal. The title was, you guys, there's a ton of endgame content and stuff to do in this game. And then the body of the post was April Fool's. It's like, I'm pretty sure if you you go on there and you sort by like most popular of like a a pretty broad spectrum of time, that it's, Mm -hmm. it's up there with like actual like legitimate content that people like really put time into. And this guy was just like, Hey, April fools. <laughs> Love it. Oh yeah. That's, I did see uh, a post on, on the actual division two subreddit where they typed up a big post and they're like, Oh man, I just typed this up for uh, the Anthem subreddit accidentally. And they deleted it <laughs> before they realized <laughs> they were on the right subreddit. I mean, frustrating, but very tasteful. Yes. I appreciate it. Bamboozled, for sure. Yeah, I like it. So, segue-wise, here we go. Mm-hmm. Working on our transitions. Speaking <laughs> of... Speaking of moving to another topic that is also related to the last thing we talked about. <laughs> uh, today, on Kotaku, Jason, Jason Schreier... Jason Schreier. Hey, published an article... Publisher, hey, I'm article. Jason Schreier. <laughs> hey, I'm Jason Schreier. It's exactly what he sounds like. It's exactly. Hey, he sounds like, like Peter Griffin. Hey, Quagmire, you want to read this <laughs> article? Uh, so, apologize for that awful impersonation. Uh, so mm. he he published his uh, article that uh, I'm sure many people were kind of looking forward to, and I actually do very distinctly recall um, around the time of release of Anthem, people were like, "I can't wait for the Schreier article on what happened with yeah. this." Yeah, Schreier's been known to shed some light on development faux pas that yeah. are rumored in the industry. So like when Destiny 2 originally came out, he wrote a big piece on why it was so drastically different from the end product that mm-hmm. was Destiny 1 at the end of year 3. And I assume he's got some major source connections in the yeah, industry that he, help him out he here. He does a very good job of getting developers to talk about what rent what what the development process was like um usually anonymously because typically they're not allowed legally to go on the record and talk about um you know development woes and such 
but in this article, <clears throat> I think he has something to the tune of like 19 plus uh, current and former Bioware employees uh, that he interviewed. And uh, I just thought this was pretty interesting. It's you know new, it's topical, it just came out today. And yeah. um, just to kind of summarize the overall article um, as far as what went wrong, um, it pretty much sounds like a lot of what most people had suspected. Um, it's a lot of mismanagement with um, the higher ups at EA, as well as the uh, the project leads within Bioware itself. Um, and a big part of it really sounds like they had no idea, no kind of like vision of how this game should be, how it should play up until like what they were saying was like almost like nine months before the game came out, which is insane mm. when you think about it. Cause they started development so, on it in like 2012, 2013, something like that. I think yeah. the number that's always thrown out is like this game has been in development for six years. So, so I, I actually, uh, I apologize. I actually did not read through the full article. It's a very long got, article. So I don't, blame yeah, me. I got, I started to look through it and it was very close to showtime. So I, I didn't get through the whole thing. So I do have some questions I want to ask you about it. Sure. Um, namely one of the big rumors that I heard about the development of the game was maybe not in any way to be stubborn, but I, but I overheard or I read that uh, Bioware specifically was not, not that they weren't looking to actually pull from what was already out there in terms of looter shooters, your destinies, your divisions, et cetera. Uh, and they were pretty stubborn about just, no, we'll figure it out and we'll make our own. We're, we're not going to snake anything from other people. We can figure this out. It's not that hard. Mm -hmm. Is that true? That, according to this article, yeah. I actually, one of my quotes that I pulled in here uh, is directly to the tune of that. Let me find it in the notes here. Perfect. Um, Pretty much they said that um, Destiny, like just mentioning Destiny was like a big taboo during development um, to the point where like they pretty much told the developers that like they weren't to look at it. They weren't to pull anything from it. Um, and the quote from the article, this is directly from um, says, because leadership didn't want to discuss Destiny, uh, they found it hard to learn from what Bungie's looter shooter did well. And then, quote from a developer, we needed to be looking at games like Destiny because they're the market leaders, the developer said. They're the guys who've been doing these things best. We should absolutely be looking at how they're doing things. As an example, the developer brought up the unique feel of Destiny's large variety of guns, something that Anthem seemed to be lacking, in large part because it was being built by a bunch of people who had mostly made RPGs. Quote the developer, we really didn't have the design skill to be able to do that. There just wasn't the knowledge base to be able to develop that kind of diversity. So they knew the develop. Well, I would say it with this way, the developers knew that they were competing against destiny and they weren't shy about bringing that fact up with the project managers on the Bioware team. And pretty much every time that it would be brought up, uh, they just kind of poo pooed it. And they were like, basically what you said, you know, we'll figure it out. It's not that hard. Um, and yes, it is. It's clearly so hard, clearly. Um, and they, they would not, did not like them trying to make any kind of comparison to destiny. And their, I guess their preferred point of comparison was, um, Diablo three. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the other things that they said in the article was 
the original storyline was like it kind of started off as like typical Bioware where, you know, very complex, big, big villains, stuff like that. Um, aliens instead of like magic. And the uh, the project leads at the time were like, mm, uh, it's, it's too much like you're just kind of mashing together Dragon Age and uh, Mass Effect. Like we, we need to like carve our own space. And they're all big about like doing their own thing, carving their own path out of everything. And mm-hmm. I think ultimately they, they couldn't really define what they wanted the developers to actually make. And it was just more of them just saying, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. We need, we need to make the next big thing. But Basically. what is that? And they're like, well, it, it, you, you have to that. innovate it. Right. right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's so dumb. Just telling people you have to innovate without building on what already was. And not even that, utilizing your own tools that you have in your own history. Right. There's already looter games in Bioware's uh repertoire of mm-hmm. both like you mentioned both of them mass effect and dragon age are two great well, examples another great example that i pulled here um to kind of summarize several you know paragraphs and quotes of information um ea themselves um they kind of went through this process of they wanted all of their studios and all of their development teams to be working within the same engine so that they could share information Um, And that engine was Frostbite, which was designed for Battlefield games to make up giant maps for first-person shooter games. Right. Um, So not only did they have to use this new engine that's not built for their game style, they weren't allowed to use anything that they had previously put together from Dragon Age or from Andromeda, which they wanted to pull the shooting mechanics from Andromeda because that was like arguably like the best part of the game. Mm-hmm. But they were like, no, you know, our decision like is we're all starting from scratch. We're all jumping into frostbite. So to compound when did they that, start development of this game, do we know? Um, it was before Dragon Age. It was like right after Dragon Age was done, or it was I think it was actually pretty close to Dragon Age being released. So like 2014, 2013, somewhere around so there. Probably right around the time that Andromeda was wrapping up development. They uh, probably started another team on this. Yes, they rolled them into it after Andromeda okay. was pretty much done. So the big thing okay. at the beginning uh, that they also said at the, uh, towards the start of the article was that uh, EA would always do like these like team health reports of what teams oh, yikes. were like, doing the best. <laughs> How many people have like, died morale? during the development of this game? <laughs> and uh, at that time, <clears throat> the uh, the team from Bioware that was working on Anthem had like the best rating because they had like just started and they were very you know hopeful and you know just loads of potential uh with what they were putting together and as time went on that went way lower because of all these issues with management and then just to come back around to the frostbite issue so uh when they did that rollover this was in 2016 um they they had to move fifa officially into the frostbite engine so Mm -hmm. fifa if you're not familiar with it it's a soccer game Uh, online components huge huge uh kind of like loot box mechanic to it that's really how they make their money on it and it's pretty much the number one money maker for ea because of all the loot boxes the cosmetic stuff and whatever (laughs) 
ultimate team, whatever the heck it is. Um, mm-hmm. So when they rolled the, when they rolled FIFA over into Frostbite, they actually took people from Bioware that were familiar with the Frostbite engine and from other teams that were familiar with the Frostbite engine, and they put them onto the FIFA team when they probably should have stayed with the team that they had originated from. Right. Um, so they didn't have that built-in support. Instead, there was like one central team uh, within EA that all of the studios had to go through if they had questions or needed help working with an engine that was not designed for a third-person game uh, or, or any of the stuff that they were trying to do. So it was constantly them fighting against the other studios within EA to get the ear of the team uh, that knew what they were doing with Frostbite. And uh, they kind of said more or less that um, uh, whenever it would come to solving bugs, like things that should take a couple minutes for one person, it would take like a small group of people like a week to do. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times what would happen would be instead of solving the problem correctly, it was easier and more manageable for them to just come up with these like hacks and workarounds, which just m- turn turn the whole thing into like spaghetti code, just a big you right. know, mess. Of, Which is probably you know, how it is now. Now it's just probably one big Frankenstein bubblegum yeah. band-aid paperclip that, game. That's, that's what it sounds like. Just MacGyver. Which is going to be a nightmare possible. when they try to patch it and push out updates and push out new content. Yeah. Um, as far as the management stuff goes, the quote that I pulled here <clears throat> says some, some current and former Bioware employees feel that a lot of re- feel a lot of resentment towards this group, them being the, the project managers at Bioware Mm-hmm. Uh, in interviews, many who worked on Anthem accused the leadership team of indecision and mismanagement. The root cause, this is a quote from the developer, the root cause of all this was that that lack of vision, said one former Bioware developer. What are we making? Please tell us. The recurring theme was that there was no vision, there was no clarity, there was no single director saying, this is how it all works together. They never seemed to settle on anything, added that person. They were always looking for something more, something new. Said another, I think most people on the team felt like we didn't know exactly what the game was or what it was supposed to be because it just kept changing so much. So not only did they not know what the hell they were making, uh, no, they didn't have anybody to tell them how something should look. Um, they There was a little anecdote in there about um, like what a typical meeting would entail. Uh, and they basically said that they would have this meeting and they would try to hash out some problem and uh, someone was, would bring up some other like side problem and it just would it would be left at whatever these other side branching problems were. And it was never that no one would ever step up and say, all right, here's what we're doing. We have to do this in order to move forward. That never happened up until uh, I think they said like around 2017 ish, whenever uh, they showed that E3 demo. Yeah. Like after that. And fun fact about that E3 demo that everyone was so impressed by is that it was mostly fake. <gasps> right? Shocker. What? Oh, what? So the, the fact that it was fake is not all that surprising. Most E3 yeah. demos are, like you said, kind of paperclip bubblegum together just to make a good impression. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but the anecdote that they gave in here was that around Christmas time when they're developing a game, usually what they'll do around that break is they will put together an internal build that they will send out um, for all the devs to basically sit there and just kind of play over that break time over the holidays. So um, 
tying into this, one of the big things with Anthem is that the flying, the one thing that everyone seems to be like, oh, it's so unique and awesome. It was taken in and out of the game in various versions, like seven or eight times from what it sounds like. So this Christmas, I guess this would be Christmas 2016 and 2016 time, um, this build did not have it. They were kind of going back and forth between having the traversal be like climbing and or flying and they could never get either to really work right. So this demo from end of the year 2016, they had to flatten the world. And every time they took flying out, all the stuff, like all the verticality, they basically just had to squash it and stretch it out. Um, <laughs> so they said that this demo was just like basically walking around on flat ground, just running around and shooting things. Very generic, very uninspired. Could have and, easily been thrown together quick, quicker than it probably was. Yeah. So yeah. the head, one of the big wig uh, fellows at EA played this and was like irate about it. And they called in like a special, they called it a special strike team from some other studio <gasps> that they had. And da, they were like, yeah. <laughs> EA's A team. <laughs> Called Just them a in. man with the red yeah. racing stripes comes crashing <laughs> through a wall. They'd be orange and they would have a giant EA on it. Oh, right. Um, but so they called in their their special forces of EA to kind of like make things, you know, work. Um, so they kind of Frankenstein together this fake demo to show this exec. And he loved it. He thought it was the coolest thing ever. And Yeah, it looks like right. the coolest thing ever. Right. And that demo itself from 2017, mind you, this is a game that's been in development since at least 2014 when Dragon Age came out. 2017, that cobbled together demo is the basis for the game that came out in February of this year. I totally believe that. Um, the core systems and all of the missions, they basically said that those things, like the, the broad strokes... Not even all the broad strokes. Some of the broad strokes were put together between that June 2017 E3 demo up to release. So like 18 months or so. Uh, The quote here, which struck me as insane, absolute insanity, says, I don't know how accurate this is, said one Bioware, Bioware developer, but it felt like the entire game was basically built in the last six to nine months. You couldn't play it. There was nothing there. It was just this crazy final rush. The hard part is, how do you make a decision when there's no game? There's nothing to play. So yeah, you're going to keep questioning yourself. (laughs) Dude. One of the things they said was they could not test any of their online systems because their servers internally were always down. Uh, there was actually a phase where all a lot of their decisions based on the game were made uh, in an offline build of the game. And I think some things that we saw in the game as far as how much loot you get, how you are able to view the loot that you get, uh, you know, you would typically think of that as being something you would do as you acquire it versus at the mm-hmm. very end of the mission. The reason that stuff is in there is because there was not really anything for them to play test before this game right. came out. They basically put a bunch of post-it notes within the development of the game and said, okay, put this here. I owe you this here whenever this is ready to go. And then once yeah. 
there's just so much segregation here. All these different teams are working on something different, but they don't know where it's going. Mm-hmm. Like you have the gun team, everybody who's working on loot, and everybody who's working on just the javelins, and everybody who's working on just the story. Yeah. It's like I'm so I'm shocked that they had a cohesive story that apparently wasn't that bad. I mean, Bioware is known to have a good story writing team and good first player stuff. Well, that story also apparently came together in the the 18 months before release as well. Pretty much everything people can do under pressure. Pretty (laughs) much the the whole game was like in a constant state of flux up until about a year and a half before it was developed. Um, Last thing I have to say, um, I didn't have this one written down, so I just, of course, lost my train of thought. Um... Hmm. I guess it wasn't that important. <laughs> hmm. uh, overall, I mean, it just sounds like big time mismanagement. Um, they were really just kind of, oh, and I remember what I was going to say. Uh, no. I'll end on it. Uh, but the, the the big thing here was that uh, they they didn't have that vision. They didn't have anybody telling them what to do. And what seems like it really compounded this was so the fact that they the Bioware was originally three teams when development of this started. There was um, a Montreal studio in Canada, an Edmonton studio in Canada, and then uh, an Austin, Texas studio. Mm-hmm. The uh, Montreal team was a team that created Andromeda, and as a result of its flop, that team folded and kind of got flushed out amongst the others if they weren't outright uh, let go. So in the, I guess like the Bioware fan community, it was always, they were kind of like the A, B and C teams where the Edmonton team was the original Bioware team. They were the A team. Austin was B team who did uh, uh, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. And then you had Montreal, who was the C team that did Andromeda. So uh, the fact they shared in the article was that not only is that something that the fans perceive it's also apparently something that within bioware itself the uh the employees perceive as well so the montreal montreal the uh, edmonton studio was just kind of like very pompous from what it sounds and they, they kind of felt like they were superior in some way because they were like the original bioware crew so they would come up with all this like fluff and ideas and they uh basically would just kind of shovel it downhill to the Austin team in order for to and they would have to come up with it. Um, and then if, the thing that I thought was super ironic was, so the Austin team, they made Knights of the Old Republic, which was a Star Wars MMO. So they had experience with a massively multiplayer online game. They knew the ins and outs of it, things that would piss people off and or make them come back and play. And they brought these concerns to the management team and again, just like when they would bring up stuff about Destiny, they just kind of waved it off and they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We're going to kind of carve our own path through this. And obviously, uh, as we saw in February, that was not the, uh, the ultimate result of their, uh, their efforts. They didn't really hack what they thought they were going to. Right. And it blows my mind that nobody came up to nobody from e- I, I would have said it would have been the opposite that the development was make us destiny yeah make us a money machine destiny division style mm-hmm. and just like 
yeah, copy the homework, but change your answers to a little bit so it doesn't look like you you made that game, which is fine because both Division and Destiny play so similar yet so different. Yeah, they have a lot of the same ideas. Supposed to be an online like co op game. Um, yeah, I think it was probably intended to be more along the lines of like a Ghost Recon where you could play with your friends or play by yourself. Oh, like a Wildlands? Yeah, not like yeah. A, not not the looter shooter. I think they actually made it more akin to like a survival game where you would start off at Fort Tarsus and then you would go out to like these areas and like fight stuff and see how long you could survive. Mm-hmm. Um, the suits were apparently more like NASA spacesuit inspired versus like <laughs> Iron Man inspired. Right. So it just seemed like they were just pivoting left and right and they they never really were able to stick with one concrete idea for very long. Yeah, it, that's like that's like me telling you to go make a a, a sci-fi fantasy thr- movie, uh, but don't watch any of the Star Wars movies and don't even mention right. them to me. That, that's Pretty just much. silly. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, yeah, th- there's something that comes with m- paving your own path and doing those things, but everything is inspired from something that it's previously come from. Yeah. Like Destiny was clearly somebody saying, "Make me a Halo Borderlands online with my friends," and because that game came before it, and mm-hmm. that was a, one of the original looter shooters. And yeah. same thing with Division. Division was like, "Oh, Destiny's popular. Let's make our own version of that with yeah. our own engine that we have, which is the the Wildlands Ghost Recon engine." Yeah. It's grounded in reality. Like, Exactly. Like that's it. but again, like b- both of those had rocky starts and then they they eventually found themselves mm-hmm. and they eventually became their own entities and this just seems like it, it was forced upon and thrust upon a, a very popular well uh well received and well um what's the word I'm looking for? And they have a lot of they have a lot of t- tenure, they have a lot of uh, history to them. Uh, well respected. Yeah. Yeah. Um um Got a studio like Bioware, as the kids would say. Yeah. Oh no, they got gout. (laughs) (laughs) I think the uh, they need to get to a doctor. I think that Anthem's development can basically be summed up as a whole lot of hubris. They were way overconfident in what they were able to do because they got they basically got very lucky with what they were able to pull off with the crunch stuff as far as like Dragon Age Inquisition goes. And a lot of the developers knew that. And they basically said that they hated that crunch time at the end. If you aren't familiar with crunch time, basically it's like you work constantly in the last. It's the thing that we only heard about when Red Dead Redemption 2 came out. Yeah, they they kind of they likened it to if you put it on a graph, it would look like a hockey stick where you're down here and it's just (laughs) flat for a while. And then all of a sudden it spikes up. In terms of, it like looks like the SpaceX on. rocket taking off. Exactly. Uh, and they said they're like, we needed Dragon Age Inquisition to fail to show that this wasn't viable, and it didn't. And Anthem is what you get from that. So they tried. That's tried so to sad. Pull it off in the eleventh hour and didn't do it. Didn't do yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You can copy. Think about it like math homework. You can copy math homework and just write answers down. But if you don't show how you got there and mm-hmm. don't show the development of the problem to the solution, you're not going to get full credit for your work. In fact, you might even fail. <laughs> and they didn't even do that. Yeah, They just said, here's answers, not even any questions to those answers. Yep. It's like a Jeopardy nightmare development. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, such a shame. It had... Again, don't believe everything you see at E3. Don't believe every demo. 
game is in mm-hmm. your living room, in your hands, and you're playing it yourself, then formulate your own opinions. But it's very, very hard to not get hyped for something like that, especially yeah. with how flashy and gorgeous and smooth it looked. And I, I think it's I think it's still a game that has good bones. Um it, we don't know that. Well, if it's if it's if it's patched together like that, I don't know what future development's going to look like this unless they overhaul something. We'll put it that if if they are able to update it, I think that what they have here just from like a gameplay standpoint, they have an okay enough foundation that they can build off of it and they might be able to pull off something similar to uh the turnaround that like Destiny and the Division had where they started off pretty rocky, but with in light of this article that may not be entirely feasible because of mainly the engine that they had to work with forced to work with essentially uh is not made for this type of game with a very rapid turnaround which is what you need in a looter shooter you need to be able to make those adjustments on the fly and it doesn't sound like they can do that very easily with this game so hopefully maybe the 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 backlash and you know this article kind of putting the uh, higher ups on blast. Maybe that'll make them reallocate their, uh, their people resources within their uh, company. And maybe we'll see a better version of Anthem in you know, six months, something like that. I mean, it yeah. probably should have been still cooking in the oven for another six months or so, but mm-hmm. time will tell. I'll, uh, you know, I, it's definitely something I'm not going to completely rate it off. I'll check back in with it whenever we hear some positive updates, but uh, I have no plans to buy this anytime soon. Nope. Especially because I'm not confident that they're going to be building their tree house on a viable foundation, no, so to I speak. They're trying to build a tree house on a twig. They're, they're painting the leaves green and everything's dying inside. <laughs> it's a char- <laughs> and they're just saying, no, it's still, if you were it's still build spring. A tree house <laughs> in the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. It would look like him, pretty much, <laughs> like a like a three story, like a mansion, Magnolia Farms <laughs> style treehouse. Yeah, yep. Chip and Joanne Joanne Gaines showing up trying to build treehouses and Charlie Brown trees. Good or stuff. something. That was probably a bad reference. Yeah, no, I understood it. <laughs> oh, whatever. I've, I've I've watched enough Chip and Joanna. The moral of the story is: go play Division Two because it's still great. And that's the reason why I don't have a game to talk about this week. Instead, I talked about an article is because this is honestly just a. I know I feel like I'm going to be known as the guy that just talks about division two by saying, yeah, it was good last week. It's still good this week. Um, This has been the first game in a long time that I have not felt compelled to put on the back burner to come back to something else. And there is a lot of something else out there right now Mm. that I could be playing. And I'm just like, hmm, going to keep going with uh, Division 2 here. I like this. Like, yeah, uh, and you're doing it at your own pace, which it, it doesn't penalize you otherwise. So No, it do- it really it does not feel like I'm mm-hmm. behind. The way that it scales it up whenever you and I play together is it, it does it, it's it's a different experience from when I'm playing by myself. Like I definitely feel a little bit underpowered in terms of yeah. my damage output and my what I can take damage-wise. Mm-hmm. Compared to when I play by myself, but it doesn't. I don't feel crippled by it. Like I, whenever we play together, like I don't feel like I'm a burden. I feel like I can at least contribute. Yes, you're you're you know doing more damage and and taking people out faster, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like you know 
I'm just like throwing BBs while you're over here, like launching, you know, right. rockets and stuff. You also, you also have to take into account that my character is, is, was built for solo play and was built for damage output. Like yeah. I am a marksman ghost in the back, just taking pot shots when I can and hopefully not dying. Yeah. So once I, once I uh, get in, you know, I, I, I saddle up with you or other people, I'm changing stuff around and trying to do whatever I can. But um, yeah, that, that's it, you're right. What it, I keep telling it does myself have, as well yeah. is my build right now is definitely built for single player, but I can definitely see and have an idea of what I want to change when we're able to play with, you know, one or two yeah. other people. Moral of the story is uh, with division two, and this is actually the top article or the top post right now on Reddit and the division subreddit is play the game the way you want to play it because it allows you to, mm-hmm. it doesn't force you to class specialize. It doesn't force you to get a specific weapon. It doesn't force you to play certain missions. You just play the way you want to play it. And it rewards you in every aspect that you're playing it. You're always getting rewards. You're always moving forward. You're never taking steps back. Uh, you can easily play with other people. You can easily play by yourself. It's a great, very well-designed looter shooter. Yes. Uh, one last division thing to touch on. This yep. is, this is eh, kind of more along the lines of a nat. Um, sure. Last week we uh, went to Barnes and Noble and uh, I forget exactly why we went to Barnes and Noble. I want to say um, I think Han- Hannah wanted to look at dice because they have a good dice selection there. Um, I got to get on that. I got to check out their dice selection. I've they, never looked the, at their D&D stuff. The one in uh, South Hills has quite a bit of stuff. What about the one in Robinson? Do you know? They they usually have a pretty comparable amount. I know for a fact, like compared to the last time we went to the one in South Hills Village to when we went last week, they have a lot more stuff. It's worth checking out, especially being that it's like right across okay. the street from you. Um, I will do that. We uh, we went in looking for dice, and when we were on our way out, she was like, "Oh, like I just I remember because she has a Barnes and Noble." Um, like membership because she has been buying all of the uh, the Forgotten Realms D&D books like the novels and then she went through all the Witcher novels and uh, she was which like, oh, novels yeah. the Witcher which which Witcher uh, <laughs> silly guy um, she was like oh I saw that there they there's like a new division book that's out and I was like oh yeah I was like I wonder let's see if they have it and I just figured I'd read the inside jacket and see if it sounded interesting. So we were like looking for it in the new release section. Wasn't there. Went over to one of the employees and we told her what the title was. And she was like, oh, that is actually not coming out until June. She was like, they always do that. Like they'll send out an email saying that something's that makes it look like something's coming out. But it's just like a like a announcement that it's going to be out in three months. <laughs> all the all the book people are like, we got to get people hyped for books again. Basically. But I mean, I guess it proved to be effective because then I was like, well, I know that they made one that tied into the first game that was kind of like a diary and didn't really seem all that interesting. So I was like, yeah. I'm pretty I'm almost positive there's one that kind of fills in the gap between the first and the second game. So she was like, oh, what what, what was the like, is it part of a series or something else we can look at? And I was like, yeah, I was like, see what Tom Clancy's The Division books you have. And she saw that she found the one for, for the first one is called New York Collapse. And then there was another one called uh broken dawn and i was like that's the in-between one right yes i was like because i had heard it 
a while mm-hmm. ago because th- I'm actually pretty sure it came out before the game did. Like, might have even been last year. I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, that the Broken Dawn leads right into the opening scene of Division Two with the giant ships showing up and the EMP going off. Probably, it's the, it feels I'm pretty like sure, it. I'm pretty sure. But so, long story short, I picked it up. Um, I'm like ten chapters in at this point. I've been kind of just reading. No, a chapter or so, chapter two every night, just winding down before bed. And it's actually really good. Um, they talk a lot about um, the uh, the castle settlement, so, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting. I won't go into detail as to why in case you haven't played the game yet, but you have obviously been to the uh, the castle settlement. Yes, yes I know um, what the castle so is. It's interesting in, in the fact that it's set there as opposed to the other two settlements. <clears throat> Um, it starts off following an agent that is actually stationed in New York who is from D.C. His children are um, at the castle. His wife died. And he is basically, from what the, the, the jacket description is, he's working together with the wife of a virologist who was coming up with a vaccine for the uh, green poison, the dollar flu, <laughs> as it were. And so they're trying to figure out, like, this guy got killed. They're trying to figure out what happened to him, like, why he got killed, if there's anything they can do. Can they find this vaccine? Can they get it out there? And uh, it kind of fills in that gap between the two games, kind of adds a little bit to, like, the lore and the backstory. And it's it's an interesting read. So um, I guess my big takeaway from that is if your uh, favorite video game, if it has some sort of uh, an extended universe type of deal where it has, like, a book tie-in, maybe look into it because you just mm. might find some extra goodies that are uh, pretty fun. Question. Yes. Does it come with an actual SHD watch? I wish it did. Dang. I wish it did. Somebody out there, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you, <laughs> any means to making a watch, somebody just make that division watch real. Don't, I don't want a watch face for my, an Apple watch. I don't want a watch face for a, a, any other digital Samsung watch or fossil <laughs> watch. I don't even want a, one that kind of looks like it that's made by Casio or Tonics. Somebody make that watch say it is the official shade division two watch. Wear it, be an agent, talk to your friends, go use the compass, learn how to eat and survive in the wild. Watch out for DC 62. Like (laughs) I will buy it. I'll buy it right away and I'm going to wear it every day. And you better believe I'm going to go run around in the woods and pretend like I'm cool because I'm four years old (laughs) and I'm going to play with my watch. I'll tell you what, I am super surprised. So like if you look at like the Ubisoft store, they have so much stuff where it's like a, a hoodie that is designed to look modern, but also look sort of like old school, like, you know, 1776, like Connor's hood from Assassin's Creed. They've got stuff ripped right out of their games in the store. Stuff right out of the games, but they don't have the freaking watch. Like, I feel like that is a no brainer. That's something that should be easy to make and they don't have it. Yeah. And you know what? It could be like a $50 watch and you could charge me 124 and I'd go, that's viable. I would buy that. And you know what else they should have? drawstring bags that are the yellow contaminated bags that hang from your backpack when you pick up stuff from the desert from the dark side. and they're actually rain ponchos oh that's a great idea right right hire us <laughs> i'll make you more money stop putting rabbits in for honor and start making me a gd division watch give us that merch 
give me the watch. It's all I want. <laughs> and more content for Division 2. I'm waiting for that April 5th Black Tusk Stronghold to come mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. All right. So we got, uh, we got two things left here on the agenda. What would you rather get into first? I'll let you choose. Um, well, what was the thing aside from uh, my game? Uh, party games. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about party games for a little bit. Let's talk about party games. All right, Andrew. So uh, this weekend. Yes. We, uh, we had a little hang. And mm-hmm. Contrary we, to popular belief, Brandon and I are friends outside of the mm-hmm, podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a little hang, and we played, I guess, four four console based party games that use your phone as a controller. Yes. Why don't you tell us about those games, Andrew? So we had one of those nights where we went out to dinner with all the other, uh, some of our other friends and their significant others slash wives, and. Uh, one thing we always want to do is get back together after dinner and play some games. And one of the ones that I and my girlfriend have invested in are uh, specifically some of the PlayLink games. Um, specifically, Knowledge is Power is one that we've had before, which is pick your character, you know, take a silly selfie of yourself with a filter that makes you look like the character, and uh, you basically just do like a, a trivia pyramid you're starting at the bottom working your way to the top and then the very end is an actual pyramid climb um you're just trying to accumulate more points than your friends and it's it's i think it's 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 good it's okay um some of the quite the my big gripe with that game specifically knowledge is power is that uh the way that the questions stick to a similar topic yeah, it kind of branches based on the categories that you pick. Yeah, so if for whatever reason somebody decides to pick like 18th century history and all of a sudden all the questions for the remainder of the game are pretty much going to be history, 18th century, like how did you how to make stints for your leg when it broke in 1890, <laughs> like yeah. stuff like that. It, I never found it that interesting and I, yeah. so and there's also there's a power up that like so when you when you're presented with like what four category, three or four categories. And yeah. There's like four doors that show up yeah, and then everybody that's playing, they tap on a door and then after everybody's picked or like time has elapsed, all your little avatars in the screen, they go and they'll line up in front of the door and whichever door has the most people is the category that you'll go into. Mm-hmm. But there is a power up called a power play, which allows any of the players and whenever they get it, they can basically forcibly take the category that they have selected so you might have everyone who wants to go into you know 2000s tv and then you have one guy that wants to go into you know turn of the century surgical techniques and he hits his power play and then that sets the tone for every subsequent question so yeah and i think that basically happened to us and it was me it was my fault (laughs) (laughs) yeah because the category right away the category was just i don't remember what it was but i was like i think it was was something highly specific it was just like it was like u.s cities or something it was like 2000 it was 2013 is what it was (laughs) (laughs) the category was just 2013 i was like i gotta know what it's gonna ask us about 2013 like what is so significant about that specific year and then they took us down like a medical route and it was weird yeah, and, I, and I'm a big fan of um, trivia party games that give everybody a chance to win, which is why I really like the Jackbox party games, which mm-hmm. we also played. 
Uh, and again, with all of these games, I, I, don't, I think it goes without mentioning the, the more people you have playing it, the better it is. Yeah, we, we typically maxed a maximum out both of them. The, everything we yeah, play, we you can have like out. six to eight players in these games, and that's that's the way to do it. You can play with two. Sometimes you can play with three, but more often than not, the more people you have, the way better it is. Yeah. But the Jackbox games are where it's at. So specifically, I have the very first Jackbox bundle, which is you don't know Jack classic everybody knows that's only a four player one though and it's i always applaud you don't know jack because it's one of those games that it's a basic trivia game that then adds an extra layer on top of it so it's 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 adding that extra layer of instead of just asking you you know which one of these u.s cities has the highest population it may give you a specific anecdote that makes you think about it on top of that so the answer may still be new york city Mm -hmm. but they may have put an, an anecdote in there about the Kardashians. And if the Kardashians were U.S. cities, like which one would have the biggest real estate on their rear end or something? Yeah. So you're like you're thinking about like, OK, well, who has the biggest rear end? And and, and then if then that would mean uh, Kim Kardashian's is New York City, like that kind of stuff. Right. Horrible example. But that's <laughs> that's the best one that I can. That is, that's a pretty good representation of like the, the route that your logic would have to follow. Right. I hope. <laughs> um, and then we also played. Um, we but the games that we played were Fibbage. Fibbage is great. Because, awesome. Awesome because it's Boulder Dash. Mm-hmm. It's giving you a, a, a statement with a blank. Usually so it's like, a, like a, a trivia type of statement. A trivia type of statement, like 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 a non like an un, a, a non an unknown fact. Yeah. That maybe you don't know. Such and like, such did this because he blanked. Right, then, like George Bush on Halloween in yeah. 2013 dressed up as blank for Halloween. Yep. So there's going to be, again, the more people you have, the merrier, but everybody puts in a lie using their phones, and then uh, it'll show you everybody's lies plus maybe some of the game's lies, I think and like, then also the one true statement. Right, I think it'll give you three lies that are generated by the game and then the, the one true statement. Right, and then the idea is that if you pick the true statement you get like a thousand points Mm -hmm. and for everybody that picks your lie you get 500 points right so you're trying to come up with a feasible fill in the blank that you know people are inclined to pick Mm -hmm. and sometimes it is viable to be ridiculous in this game sometimes people there's that always that one person that always goes for the laugh factor yes like they're just so vulgar and out of left field that you just crack up. But with some of the questions and, and statements that they're presenting you, you kind of tilt your head a little bit and you're like, maybe that's actually true. Yeah. After probably, probably after like the first like two or three and you see like how off the wall, some of the true answers really are. Mm-hmm. That's when everybody starts to go from being like super serious with their answers. And they kind of like just dial up the, the fun factor a bit. Yeah. And that's when it really gets to be entertaining is when everybody's right. kind of like dialed into just the right amount of craziness, but the right amount of uh, like viability to the answers. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing better than seeing your friends reactions to having them picked your lie. Yep. You get to physically look them in the eyes and laugh at no. them and be like, you picked that. It's <laughs> awesome. How dumb are you? <laughs> you straight stupid. Um, we don't talk to our friends that way. Just our friend Bob. Um, 
Uh, and then the other game we played was Drawful. Drawful. Super fun. <laughs> Drawful, super fun. Drawful is uh, Pictionary on steroids. Um, so you're given some type of cohesive or non-cohesive thing. Sometimes it's I, like, I it's, like cat, it's like like some like sometimes you get like bowling ball or you get like cobra strike. pie. Yeah, and then Brandon gets ones like cobra pie or like cat punch, and you're like, how do I draw this? And everybody has the same reaction. You're like, I don't know how to draw this. You have you just have to do your best. Yeah, and because that's not the point of the game. So everybody's drawing their thing. And then what it does is once everybody has submitted their picture, the game will go through and pick one and say, okay, here's this player's picture. Write down a guess of what you think it is. So everybody writes down a guess of what they think it is. And then it'll do the same thing that Fibbage does where it puts everybody's answers on the board surrounding the picture. And you have to pick the one that you think is the actual title of the picture mm -hmm. or the subject of the picture. And it works the same way. You you get if you, if people guess the correct answer, then the drawer gets a thousand points. Mm -hmm. And if uh, somebody picks your incorrect answer, you get like five hundred points, something along those lines. And I think as you go, right. you progress through the the different rounds; those values also increase. Yeah, yeah, and it it works the exact same way. I think you play two rounds of drawing a picture and going through guesses. Mm -hmm. um, we were playing with a full squad of six or eight at that point. There I was think eight at that point. Yeah. Yeah, so that I mean that's just it, that stuff's a howl to me, man. I love that stuff. And the the way that they use the phone as your controller for the game is ingenious because I mean phones are pretty much ubiquitous today. Everybody has everybody has a phone on them. Um, Jackbox does it really cool in that you just you hop online, you go to Jackbox.tv, and then the game will give you a code. You put in the code, and then you give yourself a name for the the game. And then you're you're right in running it off of the website. Um, yeah. Playlink does it a little bit differently. Each Playlink game has and the Playlink is uh, it's like proprietary to PS4. Uh, yes, you get an app. <clears throat> the app looks uh, for any locally connected Playstations and uh, just piggybacks off of like the PlayStation itself, and you run mm -hmm. it through the app. Right. Um, the other game we played was uh, That's You. Right, and that was the one that you introduced to us. We hadn't played that one before. Yeah, I actually, I got that one a while ago. It was, uh, I think, when when they first rolled out Playlink, they they uh, had it like up for free for like I don't know, like a month or so, two weeks, something. Like yeah, that. It was like ten bucks when I bought it that night. Yeah, full price. Yeah, uh, ten bucks well spent, if you ask me. I've we've played that for a lot. Just one playthrough. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've played that a lot, and there, dude, there are a lot more questions than the ones we saw. Like the, so it'll take you through like four like themed rooms, and all the questions are pertaining to the people that you were playing with. So it might get you like the the one is like all about travel, and you might get questions like, okay, out of everybody, who is the most likely to, um, you know, wind up in a foreign jail when you're traveling abroad, and then what you'll you'll see so everybody like just like with um uh knowledge is power when the game starts up you'll take a little selfie of yourself and then you pick you know you can put filters and make yourself look goofy and everything uh but whatever you have those questions it'll show everybody's picture as like a little like playing card with their uh, selfie on it and then you flick the selfie up to like submit it and then once everybody picks or the timer runs out it flips over all the cards and reveals and basically uh, as long as one other person picked the same player as you, then you get points. 
the more people pick it, the higher that point value. So if like two people pick it, you get 200 points. If three people pick the same one, 300 points. If everybody picks it, it's, you know, whatever denomination of 100 points it is. And then on top of that, you have the option to throw in uh, what they call a joker, which looks like a little pop cap and a bottle cap. And if you throw that, you basically you throw that down when you're confident that your answer is going to have, you know, other people that choose it. So if you're, you know, if something that's like, you know, very obvious that everyone's going to pick this person, throw down the joker and you basically double your points, kind of hedge your bet. Uh, along with that new i think you really only end up with like four of those over the course of the game um if everybody picks the same one i think it automatically gives you one but typically you have like you start off with two they throw another one at you like halfway through um so you always have like at least like three but it'll take you through all these and then occasionally um it will focus in on one player and ask you a question specific about that person and it might be like okay after this person has been out in the wilderness. What's their reaction going to be? And it'll give you just like four like stock photos of like, you know, guy covered in mud, a guy in camo, somebody crying and somebody just like picking flowers and you pick one of those. And then it'll do like a drawing one where it's like, what's their temporary shelter going to look like? And at the end, there's another big drawing aspect where it'll tell you, it'll say, okay, take a selfie where you're looking like sad. And everybody has like a different thing that they're trying to depict a different emotion. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of shuffles them up and then it goes around and everybody sees everybody else's picture. And so it'll be like, draw Andrew as a, you know, an inmate. And then you start drawing, you have like, I don't know, like 30 seconds to draw. And then the next round you have like 20 seconds and you get another person. And you basically are adding on to what the previous person has already drawn until it comes right. back around to you. And then when it comes back around to you, then they reveal everyone's thing. And the whole time you don't know what their initial like thing was supposed to be. Like when you, when you take your picture, like it doesn't say if you're going to be drawn as a lumberjack, it doesn't say that you're going to be drawn as a lumberjack. So it's always a fun reveal to see right. what your emotion or like expression correlated to in uh, in terms of what they wanted you to draw be drawn as and then just how did your friends you know draw all of your face you know did, did right. they draw lewd things did they stick with the theme and uh i i love that game. it's really fun i think it's a good it's it's good for, we had a very good group for that because i feel like everybody had a pretty good handle That's on exactly everybody what I was else's personality and, and like it, it's you not have, a game you that you would want to wanna play no. yeah you would not want to play this you game with people you're meeting for the first time i think our group mm-hmm. was like the perfect level of of comfortable with each other and knowing enough about each other that they can make like a good educated guess instead of just like throwing right. it out there. I don't think there's anything better than games where you get to play the room. You get to yes. play the people that you're playing. That's mm-hmm. the game. Yep. Um, very few games do that. Like a lot of them are just like trivia or art based and or like how much knowledge you have. And there's some argument with like fibbage of knowing how to get other people to guess your lies, knowing what their tendencies are and stuff. Yeah. But this is straight up. Everybody's voting. And it's interesting because you're not, you're not always voting on what you believe. You're sometimes you're just voting on the person that you think everybody else is going to vote on. Right. So now it, there's an added layer of strategy to, well, I may think that this person does. I may think that Brandon would uh, immediately run away when he gets stuck in the woods. But uh, I think everybody else is going to say me. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to vote for myself. 
and they can you're right. rewarded for that where i don't know if you mentioned the bottle caps the little joker bottle caps yeah yeah and so throwing those out and being able to kind of assure yourself of how confident you are with the other people i i love i love games like that and it is a lot of fun and it's very well done um aesthetically very pleasing mm-hmm. uh, the atmosphere that they have in the game the aesthetic that they set up is very nice it looks surprisingly good like, it looks like, very good it looks like played, a, like, it almost wow. looks like a dreamworks movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah really cool backgrounds like there's always like something moving around or animated yeah yeah i really enjoyed it i'm great recommendations again that's uh uh, that's you. Mm-hmm. Um, we also talked about knowledge is power. Both of those like, are play link games. Yep, they're both like 10 bucks. Yeah. Roughly 10 the, bucks. The there's apps, also are a free. Yeah. There's a, um, there's a knowledge is power decades that just came out recently that oh. we haven't tried yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all those Jackbox party games, which there's bunch of those. There's like, they're up to six or seven bundles of those. And every time you buy one of the Jackbox bundles, you always get, you don't know Jack plus like five other games. Yeah. And they, they usually are going on sale at some point throughout the year. So they're pricey. If you buy them full price, they're typically like 60, 70 bucks, like the full price of a triple a game, but you're, you're getting several games for that price. Mm -hmm. And the replay value is through the roof. As far as I'm I'm concerned, pretty sure that those are available for, uh, for most for, for all the consoles. Cause I, I'm almost positive that I saw, um, whatever last year's Jackbox was, uh, was on sale on switch. Oh yeah. They're definitely on switch. Yeah. 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 Uh, I just, I don't know if they're on the Microsoft store. Um, I know they're definitely on steam. I've seen them on. Steam oh yeah. They're definitely on steam. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't doubt they're not on the Xbox store. Yeah. Or Microsoft they're definitely store. worth looking into. And I think it's especially appealing for, uh, switch owners because that is like the perfect little thing. Like if you're going on vacation, I know for, for us, uh, when I go on vacation with Hannah's family, like we usually will either bring or pick up a board game while we're, you know, out on vacation and we'll sit down and play games uh, mm-hmm. pretty much every night or every other night, yeah. something like that. And uh, I think just having it, something you can throw up on the TV, everyone can just grab a phone and play. Uh, will be super fun. We did, we played, um, we did That's You and Knowledge is Power last year and everybody really liked that. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, yeah, uh, yeah I had brought my PlayStation. Uh, yeah, f- specifically for that, um, be way easier to bring a switch. And I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think I'm going to bring yeah. a switch this year, and or uh, a laptop, I guess. Yeah, but bring the switch and you know the dock, throw that up on the TV, and then just hang out, play some games mm-hmm. in the evening. Yeah, good stuff for sure. All right, so. Our last thing here. This is this is what you have been playing. <laughs> I when, went when back did and you start forth playing on. this actually because you really didn't I, talk a whole lot about it until well, maybe Sunday, Monday, something like that. I started playing it on Friday night. Friday night. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I went back and forth on whether or not I wanted to to talk about this, and I instead of doing review of the game i think i'd much rather talk about why i'm playing it why why that is what i want to hear <laughs> yeah yeah so because when you told me Brandon, you were playing this i was like yeah Baseball? yeah um so i'm i'm playing mlb the show 19 uh sports ball 2019 sports um, ball 2019 <laughs> uh yeah touchdown runs um <laughs> 
2002K19. Those field scores. Um, great field basketball score points. Um, <laughs> I do have a, a live stream up here that I captured earlier. I don't know if you're yeah, able to I'm pull that up because right I did right it kind of last minute. But yeah, so you'll see some of that on the left. Uh, please don't judge my gameplay. I tend to swing at everything because I want to go yard, which means hit a home run all the time. Uh, and that's not how you play this game because it is very much real life. Anyway, um, I'm playing the show 19. Uh, I've played some of the other ones and I don't know what it is, but for some reason last year and this year, I just get, I got, I got sucked back into it. And it's not because I'm not somebody who likes baseball. I played baseball uh, when I was a kid because my parents kind of forced me to. My dad wanted me to live that dream. I think that's uh, hard, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, baseball's boring. It's freaking boring. It's a bunch of do. It's a bunch of millionaires in button-down shirts, uh, looking way cooler than they actually are, uh, throwing a ball around and hitting it back to each other for four and a half hours, and then you get sunburned at PNC Park because there's no f- shade for you to it, sit in. It, it is basically something <laughs> going on in the background while you're eating hot dogs and uh, nachos in a picturesque way looking at the pittsburgh skyline for us anyways 100 percent. it's an excuse to go get a permani sandwich and then have the run last time i went to a baseball game was <laughs> when my dad's workplace uh they had a family night and mm-hmm. their family night they bought like this the all you can eat seats section which is surprising that there's still seats left in the stadium because people eat those seats up and then they have to they're, replace them. I don't them think after they're there game. anymore. I think it was like one of the last seasons that they had that at PNC. <laughs> but it's exactly like it sounds. <laughs> the seats aren't that great, but you have like the full gamut of of all the the baseball treats. You get burgers, hot dogs, popcorn, corn dogs. Uh, popcorn. Which if there's if there's any. If there's any uh, discrepancy as to or disagreement as to the uh, what you actually eat at a baseball game, you eat a hot dog. You eat a freaking hot dog. You eat a hot dog, and it's a monster. And there's no ketchup on that hot dog. It's mustard Mustard. and onions. Yes, maybe relish. You don't put ketchup on the hot dog. You eat Mm. like there's two things that are American: apple pie with cheese on it, and then (laughs) hot dogs at a freaking baseball game. That's right. 100% 100% that agreed. Waving your flag outside your house <laughs> during the 4th of July or something. I don't but know. But yeah. So basically, to summarize, baseball is just a different atmosphere to go out and have crappy dinner. Baseball is America <laughs> personified, whereas whoever has the most money, best people, and then they just win 9,000 championships, and I'm supposed to be happy for them. <laughs> um, there's no salary cap in baseball. So people, if you have $10 billion, you can spend $10 billion. Whereas in the NFL, everybody has to spend a certain amount to then foster a team underneath it. That's insane. Uh, and then you get teams like the pirates. <laughs> and you get a team like the pirates. Who's just like, we have 10 cents. Who wants to play for us? So wait, hold on. I'm looking at your, your team. Is your team here? Did they have the captain America shield? <laughs> That's the logo. Uh, I, I just- may, yeah. So, so, Okay. Uh, here's what I've derailed you too much. Just go nope, into what you want to it's say. It's fine. So you can play this game how you want. There's a bunch of modes to play in this game. You can do your 
your franchises you can do seasons you can do this to that you can do exhibitions there's even a super nintendo style sega genesis style retro mode where you can play with the updated visuals and people but it's just like two buttons and anybody can play it and it has all the sounds and the music it's cool um you know throwback to the 16 8-bit era of games mm-hmm. um but uh, <laughs> i appreciate connor's uh uh anecdote here about the hot dogs and the all you can eat seats um <laughs> we gotta do that sometime we've got to get down and <laughs> seats. just to share this um, out because it is funny he said yeah sat in the so, all you wow, can eat seats you can that, only get four hot comment. dog at once <laughs> Four hot yeah, dogs that's incredible. I was with two other people, so we got 12 hot dogs, and people were pissed that they had to wait for us. <laughs> <laughs> pinned that comment. Yeah, we're saving that one forever, Connor. First that's pinned cool. comment. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's a, bu- there's a bunch of ways to play this game. And again, I can't not stress to you how much I dislike. I, I don't even watch baseball. I don't even waste my time at home watching baseball. I don't even look at baseball scores. I don't even, (laughs) I couldn't even name all of the baseball teams. Why am I playing MLB the show 19? So do you think that our attitudes on baseball, would they be any different if our home team didn't suck a fart? Uh, Maybe, but then again, like the Steelers are decent and, and I'm not, rushing out to get to a football game although i do love me some hockey love me some gd hockey so we'll put it this way for me i am like i am the the farthest from in terms of like sports fandoms like i am aware that you know games are going on mostly because they pose a uh, a traffic related concern in the city of pittsburgh yeah um but, you know, when when our teams are doing well, I will look at the scores from time to time just to see how we're doing. I mean, I might not necessarily watch them, but if we're like in the playoffs or we're like, you know, trying to clinch like a playoff berth or something like that, I'll look just to see how we're doing. Of course. But with baseball. Of course, you always support your hometown <laughs> right. regardless. But with baseball. Yeah, it's <laughs> tough to do it with the Pirates. And that may never change. Um <clears throat> That, that just may be the way it is until something drastic changes. Yeah. But again, I think we've established sports or baseball specifically is just not something we're right. into. Yes. So why am I playing the show every year? <laughs> because well, you can make little, your team name the Super Soldiers. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> From there's a little I love it. game mode. And I say little because this is the reason MLB the show sells like hotcakes every year. Now, it is the only baseball game you can get aside from some other you know, poopy mobile RBI baseball games. It's a Sony exclusive. So if you want to play a baseball game, you got to buy a PlayStation and you have to play the show because there's nothing else. That's incredible to me that MLB only has one game on one console. Yeah. And guess what? They do gangbusters (laughs) because of a game called a little game mode called Diamond Dynasty. Diamond, tell me about this. Diamond Dynasty is the best looter game that nobody's playing. <laughs> Imagine if you and I were sitting around, we're like eight to ten years old, and we are huge baseball fans. What would you do as a kid who just was so into baseball and you had 
like five bucks to your name. You run down to the store and you buy baseball cards. Yep. And yeah, we did it with Pokemon. We did it with whatever other cards came out. Yu-Gi-Oh, Digimon, you name it. <laughs> Jin Pokemon. Boy, I'm showing my age really hard here, man. <laughs> but that. um, yeah, that's what you did. You went out, you bought baseball cards. You tried to collect the whole team. You tried to collect the rare ones, the rookie cards, the veteran cards, the breakout cards, the 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 holographic series cards. Uh, Tops was a big seller of those cards. And they still mm-hmm. make them and they still do these things. Um Imagine if you could use those packs that you got, those baseball card packs, to field your own team. That's what Diamond Dynasty is. It so is your Magic based the Gathering. The cards that you get. Yes, it is a Magic the Gathering baseball simulator. Interesting. So your the idea is that you're creating your own team. In this example, I this year I created the Brooklyn Super Soldiers. Uh, they wear blue away uniforms with the Captain America shield on them. And then at, at home, they wear all white uniforms with blue trim. And they have the, the uh, gray and blue star on the chest. Uh, I love my team. And they represent Brooklyn and all kids from Brooklyn. Um, that is what they do. And they salute the flag. And they eat their vitamins. And they say their prayers before they go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> last year last year i was the i was like the, the the i don't remember what the city was but it was uh i was the flash just the flash so i had like red unis with the lightning bolts on them and stuff um i try to theme my team after superheroes yeah. every year well, the the real question here is can the super can the super soldiers do this all day yes <laughs> and they don't need to pick up trash can lids to do so. Um, so it, it's, it's exactly what it says is. So when you first load up Diamond Dynasty, the first thing it does is depending on the tier of the game you bought, there's a bunch of different things you can buy. There's like super deluxe that comes with all this shit and all this other stuff in this other mode. Poop. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, you get a bunch of baseball card packs. So the first thing you're doing is just opening up baseball and you can flip them individually so you're like look at one card and you press a button to flip it and it flips it over for you and there's a bunch of different tiers of baseball cards you can get you can get common baseball cards you can get bronze baseball cards silver ones gold ones and then the illustrious diamond card Mm. and the diamond cards are what you want because the uh tier of the card that you get equates to the player rating of the player of the car on the card so the diamond cards are like your top tier, your Ken Griffey Juniors, your Jason Kendall's, your uh, Babe Ruth's, your Ty Cobb's, your Nolan Ryan's, you know, your your classic uh, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, like guys so, in their prime. So you're saying like this is this isn't just like the dream team of like current players. It's the dream team of like all time players. That's yes. really cool. That is yeah. really cool. So. Something that I did today, just a quick anecdote, I acquired a Ty Cobb card. So now I've got a guy who's like has not played baseball since like the early 1900s playing right field for the Brooklyn Super Soldiers with a bunch of other guys <laughs> from the 90s and today. Uh, it's That's pretty awesome. great. And the it's it's just as much a baseball simulator as it is a love letter to baseball and the history of the sport those who came guys like Lou Gehrig like you know and all the famous moments that come with it love 
your bottom of the ninth with two outs, no men on, you're down by one run, and you blast that home run. Like this game does that so well. Um, but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So there's so many ways to play Diamond Dynasty. You can play against other people or you can play against computer. Playing online, there's a bunch of different modes. There's ranked season, which is you play online against other people's Diamond Dynasty teams. And uh, depending on your wins and losses, you accumulate points. And based on where your point rank is at the end of a season, denotes the rewards that you get. And the rewards are unique to that season themselves. So winning a bunch of games and boosting your rank and rank seasons, you could get yourself a free diamond card or yourself a couple golds, a couple silvers, a bunch of bronzes, whatever, get some more packs to open, all that stuff. Um, you can play Battle Royale, not the Battle Royale you're thinking of, <laughs> but this Battle Royale is instead of using the Diamond Dynasty team you have, the game deals you random cards. Uh, so you'll get a bunch of different random cards um and you have to pick from those and there's like you get so many common so many bronze silver gold and then like one or two diamonds that you get to choose from mm -hmm. and you field a unique team there and then you play against somebody who did who fielded their own unique team with the same cards that were dealt to you uh, but they may have made different choices so instead of picking a diamond pitcher they may have picked a, a diamond home run hitter and hopefully you picked a pitcher that well won't be dishing out this guy beach ball so he just knocks him out of the park all day so there's a little bit of strategy involved um then there's also special events that are happening so uh the special events are basically specific criteria games that you play online with other people where it'll be like okay you can only your batting order can only have gold people in it and but then your pitching roster has to be only bronze people and stuff like that and there will be certain criteria in battle royale to win out kind of like in trials of osiris where mm -hmm. it's like you have to accumulate 12 flawless wins in order to get like the 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 diamond card of the event or if you just get a cumulative amount of wins you get like a low tier but it's still a diamond card so this uh one they have a, a pitcher that's up for grabs if you get 20 wins in the special event uh whereas if you go 12 and 0 you get that card plus a free high, high level diamond, which is like 90 and above, which those guys are just, they never leave your team. You can also play against the computer, like I said. So if you don't want to play online against other, because that's not your thing, there's other modes for you to play. Uh, new to this year, there's uh, what's called moments. And moments are, you're actually playing through real life moments that happened. Um, and then in other times, you're playing through moments that the game has put you in specifically to try to get out of with some level of difficulty or some other criteria to it. So in moments you can play through Babe Ruth's full career, all of his pinnacle moments. And if you can complete all of that, you get the Babe Ruth diamond card. Same thing with, you know, Lou Gehrig, same thing with Johnny bench and all these other famous baseball players that have come before. Um, and that's pretty cool. Um, then there's also uh, specific moments that are set up in what are called programs. Programs are basically paths for you to take in order to unlock tiered rewards and eventually, uh, you know, illustrious diamond cards for you to acquire. Mm -hmm. And with the moment specifically, there may be in this season specifically, I'll use as an example. Right now, there's three cards that you can get. There's uh, an Andrew Jones, uh, Indians 
center field card, or I think it's a, I think he was on the Braves. Regardless, there's like, he's like a, he's like your, your hard hitting masher, but also is a great outfielder to have. And then you've got Ian Goosage, who's like, an incredible closing pitcher who throws over a hundred miles an hour consistently. And that's just the guy you never take off your team. And then there's also like a, I think there's like a starting pitcher, like a Nolan Ryan or, or somebody, but then it gets to the point where you have to play against all those guys in these moments. So it's like in one moment, it'll say, okay, you have to play against the Braves with Andrew Jones on the roster uh, and not give up any hits to him in a, in a three inning game. So it's not like you're always playing a nine inning game too, which is very nice. Right. Um, it's just like quick. To kinda yeah, it's just quick out. three inning games. You're in and out in like 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. In and out, I say. Um, kind of like hopping into like a like a quick online game of something. Yeah. Um, so then, so there's that in some of those programs. Um, but my favorite, my favorite mode that they have in Diamond Dynasty is called Conquest. Conquest is what I'm playing through here on the live feed. Mm-hmm. Um, Conquest is it gives you this year they've added some new maps, but typically what Conquest Conquest traditionally is is it's a full map of the United States, and it's broken up into about 250 octagonal uh, octagon map, and you start in the dead center of the United States, and all the other teams are located at their respective cities where they would be in the United States. Your job is to conquer the entire map by moving around like an active fan base, so to speak. And it's basically just you're just accumulating troops, mm-hmm. fans, and then you're take you're you're taking over a conquest of the United States. So the idea is that you're moving from quadrant to quadrant, and as you do, you acquire more fans, and then they're strongholds. So the idea is that you have to take on the team at their stronghold on their home turf to beat them. Here I'm doing it to the Houston Astros in order to take over their stronghold and then move on to the next one. But then there's certain criteria that works here. So if if uh, uh, the, the other teams are also moving their fans out and they're also growing and they're also capturing stronghold. So you might get to a point where when you get to the northwest tip of the United States, you might be playing against Seattle a lot or like the Seattle Mariners or if the San Francisco Giants in California had a really good run at the beginning of the game at uh, the beginning of the map, they could have already taken over the Northwest. And now you've got to face the giants multiple times and take over all the strongholds that they've taken over like the Cleveland Rocky or the, the Colorado Rockies and um, you know, San Diego Padres and stuff. So it sounds like there's like a, like a, a good amount of strategy to this. There's a, it's a lot of risk because if their fans or their troops are are breaking your line to your strongholds. You can't reinforce your areas and move fans around to those because they're cut off from the main command points. Mm-hmm. So you almost have to like you and your army of ants have to move as one because if you disperse soldiers out to conquer strongholds, um, the then you could get cut off from the the head of the serpent and be totally done for. Interesting. It's really well done, and they're always and whenever you play a game, they're quick three inning games. Um, the difficulty is based on how many fans you're moving from one quadrant to another. Mm-hmm. You can simulate games, you can simulate everything you're doing up until you have to take over a stronghold. Then you actually have to play that game. The strategy for conquest is to like 
move everything you have to like a, a part of the map, a corner, northwest, northeast, whatever, and then kind of work your way down and like in like a sweeping motion or, you know, because to go middle out, middle out uh, <laughs> is, is not going to work. Good, um, good show reference. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, it's not going to work and it's addicting. And you might say to yourself, what is the point of doing all this? Well, this year, when you finish the conquest map, you get Ty Cobb. It's a diamond level 88 Ty Cobb who rakes the ball. Absolutely (laughs) rakes the ball. He's not the best fielder, but he will consistently hit singles for you. And that's a guy that you want in your lineup somewhere. And to that point, this game gets me thinking about things that baseball fans already know about baseball that I don't. So now a lot of strategy comes involved with when I'm pitching, what pitches do I throw? Mm-hmm. How frequently do I throw them? Where do I throw them? I can't just throw strikes all day because they'll eventually pick up and swing at them. Right. When do I throw balls? And then it's it becomes deeper than that based on who's at the plate. Who am I pitching to? Is this somebody that's going to hit consistently uh, from the waist up, is it somebody who's going to take swings at very low pitches? Do I egg him on to swing low? Do I throw outside and make him dive for the ball? You know, there's all these things, and then there's risk reward with those things because if I'm pitching the ball and I don't throw a perfect pitch, I could accidentally throw it directly down the middle, and now all of a sudden, I've given the guy a free beach ball to just knock out of the park if he <laughs> makes contact with it. So there's a lot of this chess game that's going on too. And even when you get to the plate, now you're thinking opposite of pitching. Now you're thinking, what are they going to throw me? Where are they going to throw it? What do I want to sit back on? Because in a video game, you just want to get up there and hit home runs the whole time and be the hero and go home with a win. But that's not how this is going to play, especially when you play other people. They're going to bait you. They're going to see what your tendencies are. And it becomes like it's, it's like you're playing a real game of baseball. And it's my guys versus your guys. And that's something that I don't get in other games there's there's a feeling of accomplishment when you succeed and you guess right or you plan accordingly or your strategy pans out um it's very 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 interesting to me and i cannot get enough of it it sounds way more interesting than i would initially expect right and what i love about this game is that no matter what you do you're always progressing forward. You're leveling up your account. You're always getting new packs. You're always getting rewards from after. I had a buddy of mine uh, who also plays this game pull one of, if not the best card in this game, just playing an online game, and it gave it to him as a reward afterwards. And hmm. when I say one of, if not the best cards in the game, it's it's the it's Mike Trout's live card. Mike Trout is arguably the best baseball player out there right now. Uh, he just signed like a $38 billion contract with the, with the Anaheim Angels. But um, like he just got it randomly. Other people play this game forever and they never even see Mike Trout. They never touch the Mike Trout card. It is like the card to get right now. But then they also release more cards. They release more programs, more events mm-hmm. with new avenues to go. Every card you get is not necessarily um, moot. 
Um, when you get even like the more, more low common cards, those can be put towards new programs that are collections. So you can add those to a collection and say, I've collected all the Baltimore Orioles and the game will go great. Congratulations. You did that. And for that, we are giving you this Cal Ripken Jr. gold card. Hmm. So there's all these things that you need to be thinking about and doing to the point where when I hopped back into the game and I started playing it, I sat there for an hour just going, what do I do first? <laughs> and the beauty is you can do whatever you want first. There's probably better things for you to pursue, but the idea is to just continue to build your team until you are like the best team you can possibly be. And what I love is not all of these diamond level guys are the best players in the game. There mm -hmm. are some silver and gold guys and maybe even some bronze guys on occasion who have very specific uses that when used correctly, for instance, there's a silver player, his name's Joey Gallo. The guy absolutely demolishes the baseball, but it's only against left-handed pitchers only when he's hitting left-handed. So if he gets a hold of the ball, it's gone. And for some reason, his rating is awful because he sucks at fielding. And the only reason you have him is to just have him on your bench so that he can get up there in a pinch, replace your pitcher in the lineup, and absolutely destroy the ball. And th that was something I never even thought of. I'm just mm -hmm. thinking, I got to get all the blue diamond cards and just be the best there is. And it's like, well, no, there's you want a really, really fast guy. And sometimes the really, really fast guys are just gold or just silver. And that's mm -hmm. okay. It's harder to hit the baseball with them. It's harder to field with them. But having somebody on the base path that can run at 99 speed versus somebody like Joey Votto who kills the ball at the plate, but when he gets on base, he's only 23 speed. He's not turning doubles. He's not turning triples. He's up there to hit the ball and drive in the guys who can run fast. Again, these are the things I don't think about <laughs> when I watch baseball but now right. that i'm playing now you're it, an active participant right now that i'm the general manager of my own team i have to take all these things into consideration sure and the best part arguably my favorite part about diamond dynasty is that there is a living breathing live marketplace where all of these cards are sold there are some cards that aren't you can't purchase Mm -hmm. in the game because you have to acquire them through doing programs and the collections and the series and the events, et cetera, et cetera. But this live marketplace is incredible. So there's two types of player cards that you can acquire in the game. There's a bunch of other stuff. There's like equipment and stadiums and things that you can collect. And those all go towards collections and stuff. I'm just specifically talking about the players themselves, the cards you can get that I can then turn around, play with on my team. Mm hmm. There's live player cards who are active baseball players today on their respective teams right now that you can that you can grab and put on your team. So they question. are typically <clears throat> okay. Uh, what happens? So like if I guess in either when you're playing by yourself or with someone else, like is it possible that you have like two Jason Kendall's on the field? Yes. Okay. Not on my team. I can only right. have one Jason Kendall on my right, team. But you, but right, that's what I'm saying. The other you, person it could, could be, have Jason Kendall. Okay. Yeah. I'm just curious if, if they yes. had any kind of like, like, is it, I didn't know if it was like, you know, Overwatch or something where you can only have, you know, one person playing that. Well, I guess Overwatch is probably a bad example because yeah. you could have two. No, but that, no, that is a good example because we can't have two 
of the same. We can't have two divas on our team, right? But the other team can have a diva if they gotcha. want. Okay, it's the same thing with this game. Cool. But what's cool is I might have a Jason Kendall card that I'm playing that's like a diamond Jason Kendall, mm-hmm. and then the other guy might have Jason Kendall's rookie card, who has completely different stats and completely different purposes, and he might be using him totally differently. So I, I always thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So with this marketplace, there's two types of cards you can get. You can get a live player, card, which are guys you can go watch on TV right now, play baseball mm-hmm. for their respective clubhouse. Or you can get all of the other cards, which are like the veterans, the all stars, the rookie cards, their breakout cards, their hardware cards, like guys who were like, like I said, so instead of Jason Kendall, all-star card which is a diamond level card you could also get jason kendall's rookie card now what's the difference between a live player card and all the other player cards the live player cards fluctuate based on the matchups against other baseball teams in real time that day interesting so now you kind of have a reason to uh look into watch (laughs) and keep up on baseball so perfect example move on the part of the MLB brilliant and the algorithm that figures it out is phenomenal because you got guys like for example Christian Yelich you don't know who that is I had no idea who that is uh, I got hit he was one of the first diamond players I got in this game I pulled him from my very first pack and when you get a diamond player in a pack dude you might as well pop out the champagne and just celebrate because it becomes this big event because the game goes dark and mm-hmm. then it flashes open like lights on a stadium, an empty stadium. And then it just starts throwing stats your way with like a panning camera shot where it's like 37 home runs in one season, <laughs> like four point four eight eight batting average, 78 stolen bases. And all of a sudden they just, Boom, there's the player that you acquired and there's the diamond card. And you can like animate the guy and make him like dab and make him like do like the Russian (laughs) step dance and stuff. But (laughs) I had no idea who this guy was. And I was like, cool, like I'll put him on my team and use him and then different with him later, which I'll I'll get to in a second. And then all of a sudden, Christian Yelich, who plays for the Milwaukee Brewers, plays right field for them i had him on my team in right field okay you know decent he's a a low level diamond player this dude skyrocketed because he went four straight games with four straight home runs and espn mlb network everybody was going gaga over this guy they were like this dude's gonna be mvp this year he's ridiculous look at the work he's doing in milwaukee he's been giving them a name all this stuff his price in the market which, by the way, the currency in the market is called stubs. He went, he went from twenty five thousand stubs mm-hmm. to ninety nine thousand stubs. Wow! Overnight, <laughs> that's incredible. And the more, and now because his stats are ridiculous right now, when he goes against another team, the guys that he's playing against that day. So if the Brewers are playing. I don't know, like the Washington Nationals or somebody. I don't even know if those two teams play each other during the season. But if they play each other, then the pitcher who's pitching against him will get a ding that day and actually go down in stats, whereas he'll go from an 88 up to like an 89 or like a 92 for that day. 
And when you play with him, there's a noticeable difference. He hits the ball further. He makes better contact. He's much more disciplined at the plate. It's easier to read pitches with him. He makes more plays in the outfield. He doesn't. If a guy is getting a ding that day, pitchers might throw a wild pitch. Guy out in the field might jump and uh, miss a ball. Uh, might make an error in the field or drop a drop a ground ball and not get the out at first base. So you have to think about that. Do I put the guys in there that are going so low today? Do I put the guys in there that are typically low but now running hot right now and they're on fire? Um, or do I not invest in these live players at all, take any of the risk, and just field a whole team that are all-stars that are going to be those stats stuck that way forever and that's it? Now, the benefit to having the live series card is obviously you can have somebody who's going to be better that day or worse that day, but they also have much more quirks to them. So on every player card, players have quirks. How do they perform under pressure? How do they see the ball? Do they do better with two strikes? Do they do better with men on the bases? Do they do better from the bottom of the fifth onward to the end of the game? And those things matter. Your little PCI, your pitch control indicator will get bigger um, if you benefit from a quirk that you know works out like if i bat with one guy but he has a quirk that if somebody's on second base he has a tendency to hit more because he can drive in that run for you so now his hit area becomes bigger so you got to think who am i putting in my lineup and when and how and who when who's batting when who's hitting more consistently Do move it around the game always changes because you're always acquiring new cards and the best part is with this live marketplace, prices are always fluctuating. Mm -hmm. So a guy that you may have acquired that wasn't that special, like Christian Yelich, who now becomes super special, I could keep him on my team and use him. But if I don't really play that well with him, I can go out to the market and say, I could get three guys for the price of one Christian Yelich. I could turn around and sell Christian Yelich and now pick up those three guys. And then now I've turn got around three. and they might have a good couple games. And yeah. And then maybe Christian Yelich, I, yeah, maybe I regret mm. selling that Christian Yelich. So I sell two other guys and then I get my Christian Yelich back. Like that's the game. There's this active live market that's you just check in on you. So you're like maybe checking the MLB scores. Who's doing well? Who, mm -hmm. Who's showing up today? And then you go into the, the community market and you're like, okay, who's selling who's on the rise who's on the decline who should i get rid of to get the most stubs out of them that i need to and again that's half the game but it all translates back into the game that you're playing and you're actually playing ball with these guys and you're still learning baseball you're still you know actively hitting with these guys and fielding with these guys and you know playing online against other people's teams and stuff so you know it, it you know Certain people play better with certain players and vice versa. So you might play somebody online who's got someone that maybe they just had a really nasty curveball. And you're mm -hmm. like, I need that curveball on my team. So then you, after that game, you, and, and you're done swearing because you lost, you go to the market and you <laughs> buy the guy who has the nasty curveball. Now you've got the nasty curveball on your team. You're or maybe, maybe you just, you had him on your team and you didn't know ball with them. Or, you know, I'm, obsessing over this game <laughs> and it just came out last Tuesday and there's so much planned down the road there's so many more cards that are going to come out there's like legendary collections that like once you collect everything then you get like the really 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 good cards mm -hmm. and caveat to all of this yes 
you can buy stubs with real money. That's kind of you funny. can go into a marketplace, spend $100, get 150,000 stubs, and go buy a good player or players. Now, is that how you want to play the game? Sure, you can do that. But at the end of the day, if you want to field a really good team full of some of the best players you can possibly acquire, you're going to be spending $700. That's yeah, not the, an exaggeration. It sounds like the, the way that that marketplace, the live marketplace works, is almost like to uh, disencourage people from just going out and buying whoever's hot. Because it absolutely does. Because the best card in the game, and... the best cards in the game, are over two hundred thousand stubs. Mm-hmm. That is the equivalent to almost one hundred and fifty dollars of your own money just to buy one person that you might not even be able to play with because he doesn't play into your play style. It sounds insane to think that somebody would do that, but like. Absolutely, people will. There are 100% people that will do that. That, Oh, yeah. Mom's credit card is in full effect in this game. Mom, I need stubs. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But the beauty is the more you play, the more you acquire, the more you can flip guys. Like the conversations that I have with my other friends who play this game are – who, who are you on the lookout for? Who's who's doing it for you? What's working for you? Mm-hmm. And some people be like, hey, guys, if you have this card, it's on the rise right now. Sell it now. Get it out of your get it out of your collection. Like get the stubs you can for it now and then just sit on them until something else comes up. And then you're like, I need that thing. And it's it's it, it's 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 great. That dynamic and how that works. And it, it, I, I love it. I love it so much. It almost reminds me of like fantasy football, but it sounds like it's more. It's like fantasy you're baseball. More, more of an but, active participant than just someone. Yeah, like, okay, I'm going to bench this guy, play this dude this week. Like, it seems like there's a lot, lot more interesting stuff going on. Like, I feel yeah. like the layperson could get into it. That's a more. that is a big part of it. But the best part about it is that the next day you could get the card that changes everything. Whether mm-hmm. it's you're reeling in the stubs and the money for it, you're putting it on your team and it changes your squad and then you move other guys around and then sell other guys. And there's guys on my team that I might never get rid of because I just, I'm so confident with them. There's a lot of psychology. There's a lot of psychology that comes with it too, because once I get a brand new card and I start using it, Mm -hmm. if I'm not playing well with that card, I kind of feel like I cheated myself. Yeah. But if I get it as a reward, which is why I, I, I call it one of the best looter games that nobody's playing that should be, because again, I'm not into baseball. I don't enjoy it. It's it's not fun to me, but there's this risk reward like here, like you can see me opening a pack and looking at some of the cards that I've stuff and going back to the conquest map and seeing like uh, my unlockables and what I can go into. There's all these things to think about and worry about. Plus this live active marketplace where prices are changing every day and new people are getting added. And there's always going to be things that are going to be locked to your collection, so to speak. Mm -hmm. The guys like the Babe Ruths and stuff that you get to so that you can't just go out and spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get them. You just work your bot off. You get them and now you've earned that card. But he's he's locked to your roster forever. (laughs) You won't be able to get rid of him. Um, I appreciate that. It's like you said, it disincentivizes people to not go to the store and just spend mom's money and get the players that they want to be winning online. But at the same thing, but at the same time. I've played teams online that are 
mainly bronze and silver rosters. I've got golds, some silver, maybe one or two diamonds. And I'm losing to these guys because I'm just not playing sound fundamental baseball. I'm not being patient at the plate. I'm throwing stupid pitches. I'm making dumb plays. I'm making dumb errors. And, that, and that's on me. You could have a full diamond roster and totally lose to a team of bronze level players. That is 100% true. Hmm. And everybody who plays the show will tell you that. So awesome. at no point do you ever gain the advantage of just the, the base level skill you need to play this game. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating because there's days where you, you get impatient. And you just like, I just want to get through this. I just want to win. I just want to get past this and do this thing. You've got to sit, wait, think about your chess move, make your move. And it could be the end of the game if you make the wrong. <laughs> I guess my, big, I my big question to you is, so as someone that's not a fan of baseball, what, what drew you into this game to even try it in the first place? Was it on somebody's suggestion or something you read, something you watched? What 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 kind of made you want to check this out in the first place? Well, when I was living in Rhode Island, maybe a little bit more of a story than you need. When I was living in Rhode Island, one of the things I did was play on a softball team, mm-hmm. uh, like a men's recreational softball team, which guys took way more seriously than they ever should play a recreational sport. <laughs> Think of the most overly exaggerated person in high school who didn't amount to anything but ended up playing just softball with their lives. I played with a lot of those people, not on my team. My team was awesome. We were the Greys. We were built around the personas of wrestlers and wrestling. Um, awesome. The, <laughs> the broadcast that. is paused here because I had to go to the bathroom. But <laughs> um, <laughs> So nothing actually happened. But um, but uh, we played against a lot of those guys. Um, and a lot of the guys that I used to play softball with on my team uh, were really into MLB, the show. And I just thought, oh, they're into the show because they like baseball and that's their thing. And they mm-hmm. also play fantasy together. And they're, I'm just not into that. I wouldn't be successful. I'd be putting money into a pot that would just be going away because I don't care that much. Mm -hmm. And nobody told me about Diamond Dynasty until I started to talk to one of my other buddies about it. And he was saying, no, you don't understand because I also played Destiny with Mm -hmm. And he would always make comparisons to MLB The Show. And he started to talk to me about it. And he was like, this is what Diamond Dynasty is. Does this sound interesting to you? And you're like, All right, and I just thought, I okay, so this. last year I jumped into it. I tried it out. And then like you just start opening packs. You start building a team. You start thinking about well, what is my persona going to be? What's my team name going to be? Mm-hmm. Are we going to be representing? You build your team and then you're like, uh, you start getting the feel for the game. and You start playing well. And then you just start getting showered in rewards. And what do I do with all this stuff? Where do I go from here? How do I get better? How do I do all this stuff? And um, it was a way to stay connected with them. And I, I still play with a lot of them. I still hop into parties with them and we just, we just BS. We don't play against each other, but we complain about how bad we are at the game and how we wish we were better. But we certainly won't hesitate to celebrate somebody pulling a really rare card or getting a, getting a win when they probably shouldn't have, but they, they sneaked one out, Mm -hmm. um, snuck one out. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. And since then I, I realized why I liked it so much. It's not because it's a baseball game. It's not because, um, it's challenging and it forces me to kind of get into something that I had no interest in getting into before, Mm -hmm. but it really is a well structured built, 
uh, and play playable game that is rewarding and also challenging, but mostly um, I just love the idea of looter games and constantly getting new things and trying different things out and finding what works for me, finding my build. And, you know, I love division. I love destiny. Anthem's okay. Um, (laughs) but this just does it right. And I realized I was like, man, this is just a looter game and I'm, and I need to start treating it as such. And I just fell in love with it. So now I look forward to every year when this game comes around, I start thinking, all right, it's it's time to get into to, to get into the show, and it's one of those things like division. Like I'll pick it up for a week, and then I'll put it down and play something else, and then come back to it when there's some new stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Same thing with this. I'll play through the first program that they have, and then I'll go somewhere else, and then I'll come back to it once new programs come out and there's new cards to go after. It's not. It definitely wants you to marry it. It is absolutely one of those games that <laughs> wants you to get married with it and have a bunch of stub babies with it. Dub babies. Dub babies. That is, um, that is a totally different connotation to baby <laughs> than you would be. Not to be confused with limbless babies. These are just stub babies. <laughs> babies um, with stubs. Babies with stubs. Uh, yeah. Let's see if there's anything else I wanted to say about it. Um, No, I just I love I love the chase of the game with all the new cards to get added and all the pro get added. Like I said, it's just there's always something new. I and I'm always getting better at the game. I'm always getting better at hitting. I'm always getting better at pitching and fielding. And sometimes it's because of the player. Sometimes it's 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 me specifically. But mm-hmm. it's good to see that progression because the second that you feel like you're not achieving anything or you're just in this end game that's not holding its own and you're just kind of in a perpetual cycle of of nothing like destiny lacks some reward structures that i would like to see done differently and sometimes division throws too much at you mm-hmm. um this game's just kind of right there in the middle and it makes you makes you work for it and i i appreciate it and i applaud it for bringing somebody who doesn't really give a damn about baseball to actually care and want to learn and it's it builds a connection with people like my dad uh, who are really into baseball and I can kind of talk to him about it. And it's, he's taken back to a certain degree because maybe I know more than he thinks I do. <laughs> Same thing with some of my friends. And now the guys who play fantasy ball, but not this game, I can kind of bounce some things off of them like my cousin. Um, so th- I, that's, it's kind of bringing nerds and jocks together to where I get the language of the game. They get the language of the sport and they can teach me things that I don't know how to play the game better, like how how to how pitching works, not from pressing a button on a controller, but theoretically, what do you do as a pitcher to get into the batter's head and then throw them balls so that because the, the idea is not to just strike out every batter and then mm-hmm. have a perfect game. That's impossible. It happens every once in a blue moon, like Haley's comp. <laughs> um, the idea is to kind of get them to do things in your favor and bait and switch them and dra- and, and egg them along. And it's the same thing with a batter is to anticipate those things and play into those. It's, it's incredible. I've, I've never experienced anything like that in a game. 
other than like playing a board game like Settlers of Catan or like Ticket to Ride where you have to like build and accumulate something and anticipate what others are going to do mm-hmm. in order to benefit yourself. Uh, I love that stuff. Yeah. I think to me, the most remarkable thing about it is they've taken something that I think probably most people would agree, like conceptually, um, baseball's it's pretty boring. It's really only fun if you are like out on the field playing. Yeah. Um, and they've, they, it sounds like they've added just a ton of different ways to interact with the same core game. Um, sounds like they do a really good job of, uh, you know, kind of keeping that carrot on the stick effect going, keep you into yeah. the game. And uh, I think you said earlier that they, they are always rolling out like new stuff for it. So I think that that also goes a long way in, in keeping things fresh. And like you said, it's a game like this where it wants you to, to marry it. There's so many of these games out there like that now that, uh, you know, you need to be able to, to make yourself stand out from the crowd. And the fact that they're doing this with a sports game is Mm -hmm. not something that you would expect. Very atypical. Yeah. It's, and it's, I appreciate it because I'm learning not only things about the game, but things about something totally different. Mm -hmm. Like divisions teaching me things about DC itself. It's taking me into uh, somebody else's interpretation of the city of DC. Whereas this game is teaching me, some of the fundamental behind the scenes things about baseball that like live active players and veterans of the game need to think about and, yeah. and do in order to be successful. And to execute that is a totally different thing to know it is, is, is beneficial, but um, you do need to be somewhat good at the game. And I don't recommend this to everybody. Um, but if you are a fan of baseball, I think this game's a no brainer, absolute yeah. no brainer. It it's your only choice, yeah. but it's a no brainer. No option. But if you're mildly interested in baseball um, and but you're just not into I don't want to play an 80 plus game season and just do nine innings and you know be bored and basically fall asleep with a controller in my hands. This is quick paced. It's fast. It's rewarding. It's it's it, it changes. It develops it, it, and you change along with it. Um, you can play against live people. You can play against the computer and challenge yourself or challenge others. Um and I, I, I applaud it for, for what it does because it, it brings me closer to a group of friends that I might not have too much in common with mm-hmm. um, and other people. And at the same time, it's just a fun game. Like I get to, I get to make my own Captain America baseball team. <laughs> it's like yeah. that's cool. Can't say that some of the things that games. other people come up with are cool too. Um, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate it for what it is. Nice. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. Definitely not what I expected to talk about this week. <laughs> no, you brought it I up and I was like I'm very curious about <laughs> where this is headed tell me more yeah like I think if I'm if I'm putting myself in your shoes if for whatever reason somebody just plopped the game in front of you and said go to town obviously there's something there there's that tingly sensation that you get in, in your bloodstream pumping in your body when you're you're opening a pack and you just don't know what's in it it's mm-hmm. that same feeling you get when you open up a chest in Destiny or when you open up a a, a, a weapon crate in Division. Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't know what I'm going to get. And the the anticipation of the unknown is always going to fuel me to continue to do that. And 
there is some level of an addiction to it. Like there's probably guys who have spent thousands of dollars playing this game just to buy the people they want and get the easy win. Mm. But at the end of the day, you don't end up playing anything to get anything. You just bought it. Right. Now what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Half of the fun is fun of, of playing the game, which is the reward. Right. Like if I could go into the division and it's like, yeah, you can just buy all the exotic weapons and gear. That's fine. Just give us a hundred dollars per weapon, or you could just play the game and get there. And it's, and you're going to choose to play the game because the game's fun to play at the end of the day. And so is this, it's just, it's its own thing. It's almost like a real time playing it strategy game ultimately. Right. But the rewards on top of that make it so much better. Yeah. And that's my uh, that's my opinion on MLB The Show 19. Cool. I dig it, man. I, like I said, caught me off guard when you were <laughs> telling me that you're going to talk about a baseball game today. Yeah. I think uh, I'm glad I came into it with an open mind. It sounds like it's, you know, way different from the probably the last baseball I, game I played. Uh, that was probably... Shoot, maybe I would say probably 15 years ago or so it was PlayStation One. I can tell you that for sure. Oh um, yeah, but you know, it sounds cool. I, I I dig what the you know what they appear to be putting together here, and they must be doing something right if if this is the one and only game that uh, the MLB is you know giving their their license to. Because I feel like if it right. was crap, you know, there you wouldn't. I mean, it, it looks awesome too. I mean, it looks like you're watching it on TV just yeah. from a different like. It, it, it looks incredible. And my only complaint about it is the performance of the actual game itself. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it chugs. And in a game like this where you have to read a 99 to 100 mile an hour fastball uh, <laughs> and hit it at the exact moment in order to be successful, when the game chugs frame rate wise because of performance hiccups or whatever, um, because you have HDR on or you have you're playing at a higher resolution than you should. That bothers me. And it uh, seems so to me, and maybe this is just me, but playing in certain stadiums, like mm-hmm. maybe playing a game at PNC Park is not the same performance as if you were to play in, uh, you know, the Great American Baseball Park. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's it's fans, uh, all the accoutrement that comes with it, the signs, the neons, the sounds, because everything's authentic to the experience of mm-hmm. going to the actual stadiums themselves for the most part. Um, like if you go into PNC, like you can see Pittsburgh out in the distance and like the pirate parrot will be running around and like falling on himself. No way. <laughs> yeah. That's but awesome. like if I go to like here, I'm at Target Field pay, playing the Minnesota Twins. My PS4 chugs so hard sometimes where I have to pause the game. I have to wait for it to kind of catch up with itself. The fan to not elevate the P the PlayStation from the actual mm-hmm. shelf. I have it on itself. Is, is it because um, of the HDR? Like if you turned off HDR, does it I don't, better, I, I, yeah. So I actually, I'm not playing with HDR on now. If you saw on the live stream, I actually turned off HDR because I was having some performance issues. Mm-hmm. They're few and far between, but they're annoying enough that, it's consistent in a game and I have to continuously pause and wait until it smooths out because you have to play this game at 60 frames. Yeah. But it's also so lifelike that I'm surprised that the PlayStation is able to perform it at a consistent 60, which there is an option to turn down the resolution. So right now I'm playing at 1440. You Mm -hmm. can turn it up to 2160 or you can turn it down to 1080. 
So there's six different ways to play the game because you can play with those three resolutions without HDR and then with HDR. That's interesting that they, just the fact that they give you that option because most most games would not. Right. <laughs> games like, you're like, you're locked in at this, deal with it. Yeah. The, the meta... The meta of MLB The Show 19 is that you plug it into a high refresh rate computer monitor and play it through a computer monitor rather than a TV because of input lag and stuff like that. Like guys are very serious to the point where um, the meta is also can't necessarily see it, but I have one of those control freak thumbsticks Mm -hmm. on my controller. Um, It adds like an extra half inch maybe three, maybe, um, you know, one third of an inch to my controller stick, but it gives you that additional accuracy of those in-betweens. So rather than moving your pitching and your PCI to hit the ball up and down in the, t- in the strike zone and risking ground balls and fly and, and, uh, fly balls because you're hitting under it or you're hitting over the ball. You know, I, I personally have like the exaggerated thumb where I either go all the way down or all the way up, all the way left, all the way right. It's mm-hmm. very hard to get those in-betweens. The having this adds that extra height on top of your thumbstick where a full press is kind of like a half press. So I have to move my thumb twice as far to get it fully down. So now I have a little bit more range and accuracy in how I'm hitting and where I'm going. Interesting. Everybody recommends you get one when you play this game. I also recommend it. It's the only game I use it to play with. Although I think elevated thumbsticks should be uh, an option on all controllers because it yeah. just feels more natural to have your thumbs higher up off the controller. Agreed. I've had those before with like um, like Call of Duty and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it makes a difference. My it's only thing is if you push too hard or too far on it, they do pretty easy. They what? Pretty easy? You cut out. They pop off pretty easy. Uh, yeah. I know. <laughs> Bob would not be uh, one for that. No. No. Um, but yeah, that's, I don't want to, you know, there, I don't really have much else to say. There's a ton of other stuff to do in this game. Uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of my kind of review ish thing, but if you're going to play this game, I think diamond dynasty is the way to go. And I, I recommend it to anybody who's even remotely interested in trying it. Nice. Just know that you will get sucked into checking things on your phone when you have free time to just see what the market's doing, what is actually happening in baseball. Does somebody get injured? Did something happen? Whose prices are dropping? All that kind of stuff. Did that guy just got last night that he suddenly becomes super valuable. Exactly. Exactly. Very cool. And what's cool. I didn't mention this. Um, San Diego studios, the company that makes this game, um, they make updates, significant updates to the game where they'll reevaluate based on performances of live players throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And if guys are like excelling beyond belief, like Christian Yelich, they'll actually update their cards from golds to diamonds or downgrade them from diamonds to golds and golds to silver, silver to golds, et cetera, et cetera. That's pretty legit. It sounds so they're, they're very like, very they're on, about. they're on top of it. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Cool, man. Anything else you want to add? No, nah, man. I think that pretty much does it for me. Um, I'm wondering what I'm going to talk about next week, but I think I know what I'm probably going to be playing this week. I know my girlfriend's been playing a lot of Yoshi's Crafted World, so um, I might get her on the show to kind of give her two cents on it because I haven't touched it yet. Yeah, I know she's been sending the uh, some snaps to the group. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, our cats really like it when she plays it because they run up to the TV and they see the Yoshis and want to rip them to shreds, but what she thinks that? it's cute. I see them as being hunters in their own environment. These guys are trying to destroy. They're out for blood. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's just going to about do it for the show this week. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Brandon? No. No. no, this is yet another show where I, going into it, was a little apprehensive that we would have a, a lack of information, and here we are at an hour and 12. <laughs> yakking it well, up. Yakking it yak, up. yak, yak, yak. Yeah. Good. I'd rather have too much than not enough. Right, of course. Well, we appreciate you, and uh, if you're listening to this uh, on iTunes or if you're watching us live on Facebook, we really appreciate you. Please, 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 if you could, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Tell us what you think. Share your own thoughts, opinions, experiences. Are you playing MLB the show? What do you think of all the April Fool's Day stuff? Uh, what games are you playing? Are you playing Yoshi's Craft? What's up with that? Are you playing party um, games? Yeah, you playing party games. Do you have friends? If you're not, do you want to borrow some? <laughs> um, we let's let's talk. Uh, and you can talk to us uh, through email. That's the GNA podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's the Golf November Alpha podcast you. at gmail.com. And you can listen to us uh, live uh, on Facebook Tuesdays at 9 30 p.m. Please join or 9 30. Isn't no nine between 8 30 and 30. Between 8.30 and 9, we'll typically go live. Um, but come join us. And if not, and you can't, uh, hit us up on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. And if you are listening to us on the on the uh, actual podcast app or wherever you get podcasts, don't hesitate to throw us a rate and review. It would help us kind of boost to the top of the pages and uh, help get us some more uh, visibility to our show and helps us become better at our craft and what we want to do and what this actually what we actually want this to become. Um uh, you can also uh, read, uh, you know, you're watching us on Facebook now. You can also comment, uh, leave us some messages or send us videos or whatever on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash games nat. That's games N-A-T. November Alpha Tango. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're still looking for some segue music. If there, and oh, I love some transition music into some of the other segment stuff that we do. Uh, so why don't you hit us up and we'll talk and see what we can do. Um, we're also looking for some other listener reviews. What do you guys think of games? What's going on? Are there any guests you'd want to see on the show? Any people that you know? Would you want to see my girlfriend? Would you want to see Brandon's wife? Would you want to see uh, just them talk and take over the podcast for oh a week? God, that'd um, be hysterical. <laughs> um, I think we've got some. We've got. We've been talking about what we want to do. Five is going to be a milestone episode, and I think we have a couple ideas of what we want to do to make it kind of special. So it may follow the same format. It may be something totally different, yeah. but keep stay tuned. That's all I'm going to say for now. Crypto Brandon, is there anything crypto. else we need to plug? I think you uh, covered all all nine yards there. All Nicely right. done. Nicely done. Well, Brandon, I don't like baseball, but I like baseball games. It's true. What do you have to say about that? I say, you know what? It doesn't matter what other people say about the games that you play because really the only review that matters is your own. We'll see you next week. All right. Whoop, whoop. We clear.
stop the audio. 